0: Projector Podcast. In today's episode, we will deviate a little bit from our regular setup as we wish to welcome you to the Humming Projector Podcast Christmas Special. you have snow outside and are listening to this in front of the fireplace. Or perhaps you live down south and are wearing your Christmas shorts in the sun. Maybe some of you are doing the gift wrapping or cleaning the house before the guests arrive. Or perhaps it's Boxing Day and you lie down on the sofa after the guests have left. Either way, I hope you will join us for the final episode of the year where Doug and I will take you through the next hour or so in this Humming Projector Christmas Special. this episode we will look back at the year that has passed. We will talk about Christmas related subjects. Is Christmas a special time to project films? Jed Jones will pop in to talk about Christmas at Duran. Was Derek Simmons fun of Christmas films? And we will hear about Derek's black snow at Christmas. There will be a quiz in this episode and I will share my craziest shipping story. There are also film-related jubilees to celebrate, and we will also talk about Christmas releases. I'm happy to have Doug here as we round off this first year of this podcast.
1: How are you doing today, Doug? Oh, I'm doing just fine. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing good, thank you. Uh, And now it's soon Christmas, so who wouldn't be happy? Um, Exactly. So why are we doing this Christmas special? I was thinking about this when I rounded off this year, and I thought about a good couple of reasons why I wanted to do this. First off, I think it's a good time to look back at the year that has passed. It's the first year for the podcast, and a few things has happened in the community as well. And I also claim that Christmas is a special time for film. We will discuss that a little bit later. Um, But for me, at least, that's the big thing. So let's start that right off. Is Christmas a special time to project? What are you thinking about that, Doug?
1: I think it is uh, because, you know, everybody usually has family over and uh, like in my family, you know, since my father shot home movies, uh, a lot of times we would show home movies at a Christmas party. Or package films, for that matter, which everybody loved. It was a lot of fun. It always made a little extra something for the Christmas party every year.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, I also grew up with with family movies, and although we didn't have that many shot from from Christmases, I have, and my parents still have a couple of films with uh, my grandparents of from both sides, which I uh, still love to see. Give me a special flashback to my childhood, and for me, it's. A lot about uh, family, friends and and childhood memories, I must admit. When I grew up uh, here in Norway, uh, we had, every Christmas Eve, we had the show From All of Us to All of You, the Disney Christmas Special from 1958 that was shown every year on TV, and it still is. It's uh was hosted by Jiminy Cricket along with Mickey Mouse and Tinkerbell. Uh the show has been shown infrequently in the United States in recent years, but in the Nordic countries, Sweden, Finland, Denmark, and Norway and Iceland, it has been broadcast every year since 1959 and has become a holiday classic. And the ratings uh, of the show has been around 40% in Sweden, and the record uh, were set in 1997 where more than half the population watch the show. So that, that's how big it is here in, in Scandinavia. So this is what I grew up with, a show where a lot of cartoons put together were shown on TV on Christmas Eve while we waited for, waited for dinner and presents later in the evening. Here in Norway, we opened the Christmas gifts in the evening of Christmas Eve. So that was what I grew up with. And when I project films, it's much about the same when when I put on cartoons, uh, many different cartoons in a row, I get back that exact same feeling of being a child again on Christmas Eve, uh, watching cartoons. So, so for me, that's a big thing.
1: Well, here in the states, uh, um, you know, we had our series of holiday specials that, to best of my knowledge, are still being ran. Uh, going back to when I was a little little boy back in the 60s you know uh, on TV of course we had uh, and it's still a big tradition here is the Charlie Brown Christmas special which was the very first Charlie Brown special ever done and of course another big one was the original the Grinch that stole Christmas and that's always been very popular And then there was, of course, Frosty the Snowman. And then another series that was very popular was the animated, uh, the stop-motion animated series like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and there were a few others. But those, I mean, I grew up loving those as a kid. My whole family did, and all my family, you know, my cousins. We all talked about them. We got together. And the great thing is, you know, here it is 60-plus years later, and they're still running, and they're still loved by new generations, and that's great. And, you know, like you said, there's a lot of memories associated with that. I always, when I think of Christmas, I think of those specials when it comes to entertainment, first and foremost, above anything else.
0: Another thing is that we probably have a little bit more time during the Christmas period, at least uh, we have here in Norway, where we have uh, a lot of holidays. So that's a good time to project. Uh, and another reason is that uh, there, the time of the year here in Norway causes a lot of dark evenings. Uh, we have very light summers and very dark winters. So I presume that time of the year is a big factor, at least here in the north. Of course, that depends on where you live. Uh, I live in the northern hemisphere, and here in the winter, the sun is down. Uh, around Christmas, it's it's down at uh, half past three, so <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> you, you have long dark <laughs> evenings to project film. Uh, And in the summer, they're uh, never really dark. Uh, You have light all day. Of course, if you live down south, you probably have a very different uh, relationship to to Christmas. Uh, For example, I asked uh, Tony Lewis, my friend in in Australia, if uh, he had the same feeling that Christmas was a special time to project because of the the time of the year. Um, But he said they project all year around because... Uh, of course, for them, they're even lighter in the winter, but um, probably more even during the year than what I experience. So, when is the best time for projection, uh, do you think? Is it before Christmas, in the days where you lead up to Christmas, or is it between Christmas and New Year? Which days are most important to you?
1: I think it's leading up to Christmas to me is my favorite period for that. I think. Uh... It just fits the nature of the holiday that much better, in my opinion. Not that there's anything wrong with you know projecting films between Christmas and New Year's. I mean, you can do that as well. But for me personally, and from what I remember, from when I was growing up, it was always prior to the actual Christmas holiday, kind of the build-up to the day itself.
0: Yeah, I always think that uh, I will do the big show during the Christmas days between Christmas and New York and, and mm-hmm. New Year. But I, when I look back to when I actually do the projecting, I, it's always better time to do that upfront. Uh, so realistically, I will probably also this year watch more during the day before Christmas than on the actual Christmas. Um, and as you can understand, we recorded this a little bit earlier, so uh, December is still not here. When you do a Christmas show, are you planning ahead or are you choosing the, uh, the films as you go?
1: I tend to plan ahead. You know, to sort of have a list ready to go of things that I think, uh, you know, know, things that I think everybody might enjoy. That's how we used to do it when I was growing up. Just, uh, it makes it more organized, too, I think. To me, it always flowed better when you had a list ahead of time. You know, just from a technical standpoint, too, it makes it a lot easier. And it makes it more enjoyable for everybody, I think.
0: I'm doing a little bit of the opposite, where I pick up a short list of films from my collection and take mm-hmm. that to the projector. And then I pick them as we go and ask the audience to, to feel a bit what, what they're up to watching. Um,
1: oh, well, that's, that's a good idea, actually.
0: If you had seen me right now, you would see that I've been wearing my Santa hat today uh, because it's Christmas. And at the moment, I'm drinking um, something we called Grug. That's kind of a scandinavian weld wine uh, made with brandy, almonds, raisins, and spices. Although I don't drink, so I don't have the brandy in. It's a non-alcoholic person for me. But this is very Christmassy for me. Uh, and I also have some gingerbread with me to get in the Christmas mood. So that leads up to the next topic what is proper film snacks during the christmas shows what would you prefer to to bring to a christmas show if you had some snacks
1: uh we always had um uh, assortment of drinks usually soft drinks uh cookies like you mentioned gingerbread cookies we all love those we always had a big tray of them and uh assorted you know this is i'm coming from the american side here we would uh, do various uh Chip snacks. I mean, I know in in the UK chips are potatoes or French. We call them French fries here in the U.S. But uh, we'd have assorted like potato chips and things like that. And uh, usually one of the relatives would bake a real. We had one of my aunts was uh, a really good baker, and she would bring a really nice cake, a holiday themed cake, which the kids we all love to look at. She'd have little decorations on it. It was just fantastic. You almost didn't want to eat it because it looked so nice, and uh, and the adults would have, shall we say, <clears throat> adult beverages, which the kids couldn't get near. But <laughs> but that's what we usually did. Yeah. It was quite a quite a festive spread. I don't think
0: we deviate that much from from film watching the rest of the year, though. Popcorn and M M&M and M is always uh, a good oh, thing. Oh, that's
1: always that's always a winner. Yeah,
0: we have a Norwegian version of the M M&M and M, just called M. Very um, <laughs> inventive, <laughs>
1: but that a little dominates in the there, You know, <laughs> yeah, there
0: are, I, I think there's a deal there, but uh, uh, we that dominates the, the the film watching popcorn and M. But uh, there's always great to have some gingerbread, and, and sometimes we have uh, Greg as well, as I mentioned. Well, you mentioned uh, when we started them um, about shooting family movies. How is your relationship to that? Uh, did you, your father uh, shoot many f- films uh, during your childhood?
1: Uh, my dad uh, shot uh, 8 millimeter standard 8mm film from 1955 till about 1970, 71. His camera finally gave up the ghost and he didn't really, he lost interest I think at that time and just decided not to get another one. But, um, yeah, I've got Christmas footage, I mean, before I was even born. This is like my brothers. I have two older brothers, one since deceased. And uh, there's footage of them and like, you know, little little bitty kids. And it's fascinating, you know, because my dad's showing what everybody was getting for Christmas that year. And i got quite a few clips like that up until... I guess about 1969, I think, was the last Christmas that he actually filmed. And that's real cherished footage for me because, you know, it's, most of my family is gone now except for one brother. And that's uh, footage that means a lot to me.
0: And you still watch it?
1: I actually I ran it last year. I had not seen it in a while and uh, it was i actually wound up running it through i got it digitized so i could send copies to some surviving relatives they wanted to see them cuz their family was in it also since they're also since deceased and that was a big hit you know with my cousins getting to see their parents you know in these clips and uh, it's just it was really great you know it's that's the magic of old home movies i guess yeah. you know
0: Nostalgia is a big deal for, for film collectors, I guess, and, and jumping oh, yeah. right back to your childhood through family movies at Christmas, that must be the highlight of uh, nostalgia, oh, yeah. I guess.
1: Oh yeah, That's it's kind of emotional, you know, it's great getting to see yourself as a kid again, your siblings and your family, you know, yeah. it's also kind of neat to look and see, what did I get for Christmas that year, you know, you actually <laughs> have, you have you know, film proof of what you got, you know, yeah. oh, I got this bicycle, I got this, whatever, you know.
0: yeah. Watching my parents as as young, and even my grandparents quite young at the time. Uh, Most of the films were shot before I was born, though, but uh, it's still interesting to see.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun, you know. Having that record of it on film, kind of hard to beat. You know, photos are great, but having actual film of it is even better.
0: Absolutely. And the color has held up?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, because this was shot on, uh, I guess it was... um, That had been... Ectochrome. uh, Kodachrome, I think it was Kodachrome. Yeah, the colors, I mean, these films are, uh, some of them are approaching close to 70 years old and they still look really good.
0: Yeah, my parents' Kodachrome is stunning still. Mm Hmm. Incredible.
1: It's kind of a shame, though, that our uh, package films weren't all put on that kind of film. you can imagine the color that all of our package films would have if they had oh, been yeah. done on Kodachrome? Yeah, oh, my god. that in Kodachrome. <laughs> oh, well, that would be amazing. Unfortunately, yeah. that wasn't the case, but it would yeah. have been awesome.
0: Yeah. For this Christmas special, we also will have a quiz. Uh, it will be in three parts, uh, three questions uh, for each part, and you will get the answers at the end of this episode, so you don't have to wait a long time before you get the answers. So it's just for fun. But anyways, here's the first: What is the film title tagged with Christmas with most views on Super 8 Database? You know, we tag some films with Christmas tag in the Super 8 database, so which one of those had the most views on Super 8 Database ever? Second question. Who founded CineSea, the convention in New Jersey in the US, and when was their first event? If you have listened to previous episodes, you might get the answer to that. Question three. When was Die Hard released at the cinemas, and what was the name of the main character? So, while we continue, you can think a little bit about that, and you will get the answers at the end of this episode. Before we continue and talk about Christmas movies, what actually is a Christmas movie? What, what is your definition of a Christmas movie? Does it have to be very very clear Christmas theme to it? For example, Die Hard. Do you consider that a Christmas movie or not? that's the internal discussion normally
1: personally i don't i mean it was supposed to be happening during the holidays but i look at it more as just an action film that was set during the holidays i i you know it's hard for me to put that in the same class as say a movie like the little shop around the corner or you know Many others or Scrooge. I mean, those are classic Christmas films. I don't consider Die Hard one. It's just a film set during the holiday, but that's all it is. I can't put it in the same classification. I don't think that's fair to the other films, for one thing, because it kind of takes away from them a little bit. It's a totally different movie.
0: No. Yeah. I admit that Die Hard is, is a borderline. Uh, but I have mm. become a little bit more liberal during the years and <laughs> kind of consider it a Christmas movie because it ends around Christmas time. But but I, I really get your point. And you mentioned the shop around the corner, one of my absolute favorites. Mine too. Um, and most of the most of the action in the in the film doesn't happen at Christmas, but it ends at Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it really leads up to that um, pinnacle at the end uh, with Christmas. So for me, that's a clear Christmas movie, Uh, but others might disagree. And Love Actually is a similar movie where it ends up at Christmas, but the film as such is not a Christmas film. But we, here in Norway at least, that's been shown on TV every year, uh, the last 20 years. So it's really uh, considered a Christmas movie.
1: I think with a little shop around the corner it has such a even though it you know it it ends, you know, at Christmas, I think it just has such a a Christmas spirit and feel about it. You know, even though it may not be right in your face, it yeah. you, it just has that feeling from the right off the bat and it just you know it wor it just really works in my opinion. You know that the season it's set in and you just instantly fall into it
0: and talking about Christmas movies um let's uh, list up a few common Christmas releases on Super 8 on top of my list at least uh, on Christmas releases on Super 8 I have um a Walt Disney Christmas the 400 release from from Walt Disney where we have uh five cut downs from five cartoons I guess that was sold in numbers uh of all Christmas films that the one you see the most often I guess
2: mm-hmm
0: and the, and the second one is Pluto's Christmas Tree. For me, that's right, right up there. And then, then you have The Night Before Christmas with Tom and Jerry. That's also one of my favorites. And that's not to mention yeah. Mickey's Christmas Carol. I was mm-hmm. so, so happy when I got that a few years ago. That ran release on 600. What is your favorite?
1: Well, I think you already named it Pluto. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I grew up loving Pluto as far as Disney characters. Uh, I love Pluto. And that's one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> Toy Tinkers is also a great one. I have a Duran yes. release of Toy Tinkers, and I also love mm-hmm. that. But that's a little bit harder, I guess, uh, with kind of <laughs> war fighting and explosives and everything. <laughs> yeah, Not very well, Christmassy, no, but, uh, but still, still. fun. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know many have the Snowman as a favorite. Um, yeah,
1: that's another one. I was thinking of that one as soon as you brought this up. Go yeah. ahead.
0: Yeah, I don't know what it is, because I know most collectors put that really on the top or at least near the top it doesn't really click with me and i mean artistically the the film is absolutely beautiful oh it is but it ends quite sad uh, where the snowman melts yeah and for me that doesn't work at christmas i don't know what it is but for me that doesn't work but i i i know i'm probably one of the few that does not think that's the one of the favorites
1: i understand that yeah it does have a bit of a downer ending you want a you want a Christmas film to have more of a happy ending.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for those that might not know, The Snowman was made in nineteen eighty-two. It's based on Raymond Biggs' nineteen seventy-eight picture book, The Snowman. It was directed by Diane Jackson for Channel 4 in the UK. Um, and it has been shown many times since and and Duran also released it on on Super 8. It's artistically it's it's absolutely beautiful. No doubt. Mm-hmm. But we have a few newer releases as well. Doran Films has released quite a few Christmas trailers. Um, They had the Christmas trailers 1, 2, and 3. And oh, they have also a new release, Christmas 2022 Ads and Trailers 4. That is around the corner. It will be distributed by The Real Image and has been produced by Doran Films. So uh, still are produced some Christmas films.
1: Okay, so I have a question for you. Yeah. What do you consider your absolute favorite Christmas film?
0: On Super 8, or uh, in, in any general, genre?
1: or in general, or even on Super 8, or it could apply to both.
0: If I had to choose one single movie, I probably would have chosen *The Shop Around the Corner*.
1: Uh, for me, it's a tie between that and *The Alistair Sim's Scrooge*.
0: I'm looking forward to the last one because I actually haven't seen it, but now I have acquired it on Super 8. I just want to wait a little bit, getting more closer to Christmas as I record this a little bit ahead of time. I
1: understand, yeah. But I'm
0: super happy to have found that on super eight and uh, got that from a good friend
1: you haven't seen the uh the the full film the feature you haven't no, seen but it i love the charles dickens oh. story uh, absolutely love oh. the story
0: so but i haven't seen that
1: version you're you're going if you're gonna love it. it it's to me it's the definitive version of scrooge i mean uh, there's been a lot of attempts since then and some have been they've been fine but Nothing still to me approaches that one. That's the best one. I have seen it so many times. I'm going to watch it this year. I've got plans for it. You'll love it. I think you will. I'd be surprised if you don't.
0: And normally also we will watch Love, actually. As I mentioned, that's normally... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's quite common here in uh, Norway. But we have seen it so many times, so often it's put on the TV while we are doing like gift wrapping or something. Uh, so we, we know it... A bit too well by now
1: <laughs> that's yeah. that's like here in the states i don't know how people feel about it uh, internationally but what's became a tradition here in the uh, states has been the uh, film a christmas story yeah and i don't know how well it's been received in other parts of the world but here in the united states it's like that's tradition yeah. i mean one of the cable channels would do twenty four hour marathon at the same film, just repeating over and oh, over really? and over. Yeah, and <laughs> it's it's uh, became very popular over the years. Yeah. that's 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 become one of the newer tris- uh, Christmas traditions here in the last probably twenty years or so. It's been that film.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen that actually, but it's on my short list of want to see films.
1: It's it's a cute film. It's it's set in the forties. It's definitely worth catching if you haven't seen it. I think you might enjoy it. It's well done. Well done.
0: Well, I wondered how Christmas at Duran was, and I had heard a rumor that Derek wasn't fond of Christmas releases because they could only be sold during the Christmas time. And I wondered if that was correct, so I had a little chat with Jed Jones from Duran, how that was. Uh, Let's hear what he had to say. I have one question for you. Um, I heard someone said that Derek wasn't a, a fan of Christmas releases. Is that true or is that not true? But it's news to me. Yeah, maybe it's not true. Maybe that was just some uh, something somebody thought was true. Derek
3: was like a child at Christmas. He was the one who used to get the Christmas decorations down from the upstairs in the attic. He was the one who organized. And if he wasn't happy with the way they were hung then he would get up there and do it himself. He loved Christmas. So I'm sure that he enjoyed Christmas films.
0: Right. The, the theory was that uh, Christmas films were only easy to sell at a specific part of the year, while everybody else... Uh, all the other films were easier to sell the rest of the year. But
3: No, I wouldn't agree with that, really. I mean, The Snowman ticked over for years and years, and it wasn't just Christmas. It hired better at Christmas, because... Parties used to like to show it at Christmas, but it sold all twelve months. You know, twelve months of the year.
0: Yeah. Which were the big uh, Christmas releases? As you mentioned, Snowman for sure was yeah. a big release. Yeah. Uh, I would guess that perhaps Mickey's Christmas Carol was big. Is that true? Also, vast. That was a
3: vast seller. Difficult to pick which one pr- probably sold the most. Actually, it might have been the Snowman. Because it was such an unexpected success, none of us really expected to sell as well as it did. But then again, the little Tom and Jerry's, Night Before Christmas, etc., yeah. even they used to sell extremely well. I, I love those.
0: And uh, from Duran, uh, I have the Toy Tinkers, which I absolutely yeah. love. Yeah. Brilliant yeah. colours. Pluto's Christmas
3: tree was oh, this, the first sound Pluto I ever purchased.
0: Nice. Uh, the work at the Rand upon Christmas, was it a specifically busy time for you? I guess the hire market would require a lot of work just before... It
3: it, it was our busiest time of the year. Yeah. A, because the dark nights, Christmas parties, yeah. children were breaking up for from their school, and the school generally used to hire uh, a projector and films and a screen, or sometimes they would just ask us to go along and put on film shows for them, And at Christmas, we used to have as many as one, two, perhaps four cars going out with um, gear to show films at Christmas parties. It was an exceptionally good time for us. As soon as it began to get dusk, things picked up.
0: (laughs) So, Mickey's Christmas Carol is one of my absolute favourites. Did you work with that release? I guess you've worked with most releases.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I recorded hundreds of those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your Christmas
0: favourite of all the Christmas films out there?
3: What of what we issued or yeah. for Christmas for own
0: Or Durant's uh, releases.
3: Ooh, I think probably The Snowman. Yeah. Because it's very... I've only got to that song, and I um, actually it brings tears to my eyes. That does, believe it or not. I know a lot of people find it cloying, but for me, it works every every time. I know I, I love that film. Uh,
0: when I watch films, I, I like to to look back, and I, for sure, when I watch film in the dark, I, I have a line back to my own childhood uh, with the feeling of watching cartoons in my own childhood. There are also a line back to Lumiere, uh, the French uh, man that uh, invented uh, live film. But also there is a line back to a shop in Dudley in in the UK. Uh, and I will think about that every time when I watch Mickey's Christmas Carol from an hour, And I will think about Jed that uh, striped and and uh, recorded the Mickey's Christmas Carol uh, up in the uh, offices.
3: Well, I'm sure that some of them were probably pre-striped. If you check if it's pre-striped, then it wasn't. It was probably recorded by me. Yeah, recorded.
0: You're probably right. It was probably before the the striping era.
3: Well, even so, I mean, it sold continually well. So even when we closed, it was still one of the titles that we were having to stripe. But it depended on when you bought it. Did you buy it new or did you buy it second hand?
0: Second hand. I was way too late at the party for. for So
3: it it may it may be a pre-striped copy.
0: Yeah. Do you have any special Christmas-related story from the work at Duran? Any any weird thing happening uh, at the Christmas time?
3: I don't ever remember anything on. The, I know that Derek always used to persuade somebody to dress up as Santa because we used to have, you know, we used to have the Sunday open days, but of course the Christmas open day, that was always special. We used to give away little presents to children and things like that. He always used to try and persuade a member of staff to dress up as Santa. But I don't have any particular things. I know that Derek told me a tale once of, you know, I said that we used to put on Christmas shows. Well, there was a very large factory, only about 15 minutes away, and they asked Duran to put on a Christmas show of cartoons for the children. No, this was before my time, so we're looking at probably 73, 72. Derek turned up with 16mm projector and a couple of rolls of 16mm cartoons joined together. So the lights were dimmed, the films were shown, and at the end of the film show, the lights were turned up. And Derek says, I stood there aghast because this was in the days when it wasn't quartz lamp, it was an old-fashioned bulb in the projector. And this bulb and the, and the lamp casing had built up a line of black soot. And for some reason it had decided that this was the day it was going to the heat, and it burnt it, and the heat sent all these little flakes of soot into the atmosphere. And when the light was turned on, it was snowing black snow. (laughs) And it was a big room. It probably had 80 children in there, all sitting, and their meals were there, and each of their little trifles were all gathering this extra special topping of little flakes of soot. (laughs) And Derek says, Nobody seemed to notice except me, so I quickly put all my gear away and got in the car and drove away. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was I wasn't there for that. <laughs> that was I, ne- I never forget him telling me. Well,
0: I really would have loved to be uh, present when Derek had that black snow at Christmas. That must (laughs) have been uh, quite a sight. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thank you, Jed, for for popping in. And we are ready for the quiz part two. Question one. At the end of Pluto's Christmas tree, Chip and Dale puts a sticker on Pluto's mouth and when he joins in singing with Christmas Carol outside. What was written on the sticker? Question two. Author Vince Wright, who wrote the book 8 Millimeter Elvis, the story of Elvis on 8mm film, used to work for a film-related company. What was the name of the company? That has also been mentioned in a previous episode, so if you paid attention then you will know the answer. In Question 3. The actor who played Rusty, the son in the house in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, has also played in a very popular television sitcom. What is the name of the actor and which sitcom did he play in? Well, uh, Doug, do you have had any problems with shipping during the years? What is your worst nightmare shipping-wise when shipping films?
1: Uh, I've been pretty lucky, believe it or not. Um, I think I've only had, in all the years that I've bought and also sold films myself, I think I've only had maybe one or two mishaps. I've been pretty lucky. A lot of my shipping tends to be right here in the states. I have shipped some internationally, but uh, I can't honestly say I've had a major disaster as far as shipping. I mean, I guess that's maybe not the answer you wanted, but <laughs> I've been, i guess I've been fortunate. You know, I've been pretty yeah, lucky that in that really regard. Yeah,
0: I've been yeah. quite lucky. I've had a couple of crushed plastic um, uh, covers, but but mostly it has been okay. But I had. One absolutely crazy shipment story. <laughs> no, no, I know back. what you're about to tell. Yeah. Go
1: ahead. <laughs> you know, I, I hear had it again.
0: I had purchased a few films of Del Philipson uh, uh, in in the UK. Um, he is a great seller, and first I got the Christmas Christmas Carol from him, one of my gems in the collection. And right after that, he had shipped that already. And right after, I also bought Victory at Sea, a World War II documentary, from him. Um, And I've never lost a film that anyone has sent to me, but this is the closest probably Victory at sea was a 4x400. So the parcel wasn't that small and it was sent the 24th of October in 2018 it reached the customs in Norway and everything seemed normal at the tracking But suddenly it appeared at the postal office where my parents live mysteriously because that was nowhere near any address on the on the on the parcel for some reason The custom service has found my, what I didn't know existed, but a secondary address for me at my parents' house. Okay, not a a big deal. I I could have chosen to let them pick it up, but I wanted it sooner, so I I called the postal office and said a mistake has happened and could you ship it to where I actually live and at the address on on the parcels, and of course they could fix up that, so it was reshipped. Many days passed and it didn't show up in any tracking. It should have been showing up the same day, but didn't. So, hmm, something's going on here. And days passed and days passed, and I really wondered what was going on. I tried to call the postal office, uh, but they say, well, we you can't do anything, but you, the one that sent it can, can uh, report it missing. So I contacted Dell, and he did that for me, reported it missing. Uh, and after three weeks, when I had lost all hope, <laughs> It showed up in Dell's hometown. <laughs> 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 For some reason, it has skipped all the steps between. It should have been scanned at several several uh, stations before it reached his town. We will never know why it didn't. <laughs> but then, okay, at least it's not gone. It's there. And then I thought, well, it's, it's on its way back to Dell. Then suddenly... <laughs> The the shipping showed that it has reached Coventry and was uh, had left the UK for Norway again. Okay, someone <laughs> in the UK realized something was off and sent it to Norway. Ah, oh, good thing. It arrived in Norway, and then it went silent for many days. And then I, again, I, I was afraid it was lost. And I called the postal office again, and they marked it missing, and they should pick it up at first scanning again. If it was scanned anywhere, it would be uh, lighting up at the at the, the sorting uh office so it will be picked up but then it showed up in Coventry back in the UK <laughs> that's a well traveled package yeah <laughs> again the same thing it was returned to Norway and this time i called the postal office up front and said twice you have sent it back to the <laughs> um you have sent it back to the UK can you please make sure that uh, this will be picked up, and it was be- uh, showed up in Norway, and off to Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> but this time it was uh, heading back to his um, local office, and it was marked as being returned to the sender, which was okay, of course, frustrating, but but still, at least it would show up back up to Dell, so we can <laughs> ship it again. So I re- reported this to Dell and said, "Well, may, uh, look out for for the parcel in return." And he said, "No problem. I'm I'm home today, so I will I will make sure to to pick it up." And suddenly, it had been marked as delivered. Dell didn't find any parcel outside his house. So something was off again. And it turned out <laughs> that they had <laughs> delivered it at his neighbor's address. And someone at the postal service in the UK didn't use the address that was on the parcel but had uh, written his neighbor's address by hand on it for its return. Oh so no. that was by the 29th <laughs> of November. What do you give me? The Norwegian Postal Office tried to send it to my parents and the UK Postal Office service wanted to return it to his neighbor. So <laughs> <laughs> in the end, it, it it showed up. He sent it again with no hiccups. But I We'll never know what happened there. Uh, how it, on earth that could happen? Because everything seemed right with the with the markings on the parcel.
1: Your parcel was doing a, ver- a mail system version of pong, back and forth, <laughs> yeah. back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: probably my most traveled film.
1: <laughs> your f- your that your film tra- has traveled more than I've ever traveled. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you
0: get film as a Christmas present? Have you ever got that as a present, either as a child or as an adult now? Mm.
1: Well, I think I did a couple of times when I was a child. Not as an adult, but as a child I did. Yeah, I got a few films.
0: Uh, I was born uh, too late to get that as a child, but uh, I've actually gotten that a couple of times as an adult, but I must admit that I kind of had suggested it a uh, front <laughs> and kind of handled it with a with a seller or so uh, kind of buying it for myself but uh, with another exactly. name on the on the from label
1: I got a few uh, little 50 foot kin films uh, super 8 titles when I was a kid as a present and that was pretty cool my mom knew that the kind of movies I like so local department store had a film rack so I got a Two or three titles that year.
0: Yeah, I wish it was like that still.
1: <laughs> oh, I do too. I used to love going into department stores and staring at the film racks. I wish that was still a reality, but unfortunately, it's not.
0: Yeah.
1: CD uh, DVDs on the in a case. Oh, well, heck, you don't even see as many DVDs now since so many people stream movies. It's just not the same. <laughs>
0: Let's imagine that uh, the film industry were taking up again, and kind of it is. I mean, we have Doran Films and, and others that make might make, uh, make releases still. What kind of Christmas movie would you like to see as a digest? If you could choose uh, any movie, what would you have liked to see uh, released on Super red?
1: For me personally, uh, I would have liked to have seen the Grinch. The Grinch that stole Christmas. I think that would have made a great digest. I would have loved to have seen that. Either full uh, feature or, you, you yeah, you, I mean, yeah, that, that would have worked as a digest. You could have edited it in such a way to make it a very comprehensible digest, I think. I think that would have been a great one. I think it would have been very popular, too, but there had to be a rights issue. I guess that's why we never saw yeah. it back in the day, because you figure the special went back to the 60s. And it would have been out back when Super well, even back when Super 8 Sound was taking off. But unless there's one out there that I'm not aware of, I've never seen it ever on a list. I don't think it ever got released.
0: For me, I would have loved to see the shop around the corner as a digest. And I guess it would have worked as a digest as well.
1: That would have easily worked as a 600 or a 800 foot digest, I think. Or better yet, a, three, uh, a 1,200 foot digest would have been great for that. Um you know, we can we can dream, can't we? You know? <laughs> yeah. I used to sit and make a list of movies that I would love to see in digest form. I used to have a massive I don't think I I don't have the list anymore, but I used to have years ago I made a list and um you know, dreaming and hoping.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um and the, there's also a question if you should make a digest if you uh should you only go for film source only or digital new content. Um, I'm, I'm, of course, preferring uh, from original film, but I'm not a fanatic, and someone won't touch uh, films made of uh, digital content, which make it harder these days. So for, for newer films, I would have loved, there's a Norwegian stop-motion animation. Um, that's called the uh, Juri Frokripa, which is kind of a family fun movie it's hard to explain here but 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 really great stop motion movie but it's from a digital source so uh not everybody would have preferred that. And love actually, um great movie but very complex story. So making a digest of that would be really really hard, I guess. Yeah, it
1: could be difficult. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the digital uh content, personally I don't ha- I wouldn't have a problem with that. Unlike you, you know, I'd prefer, you know, traditional film, you know, film to film, but You know, if it means getting a decent source and having to use digital to make, you know, to make a film, I don't have any issues with that. I know some traditionalists may have a problem, but if you're looking at the source material being a better quality and it has to be digital, eh, why not? I know that's being done with some current films being produced, and they're really nice copies. You know, they're well made.
0: Another film that I would like to see is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. To my knowledge, oh, that has never been released, but I would love that one.
1: Oh, that would have been a great one. That's still if that, I'm surprised that we haven't mentioned that up to this point. That is such a funny film. Uh, that's, that's another favorite of mine. It's also on my list to watch this year because it's been a few years since I've last seen it.
0: We watch it every year. Ah, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> like me and the Charlie Brown Christmas Special. That's yeah, my must. That's my must watch every year
0: um another one is home alone um oh, I yeah. had that all on my list as well, but then I realized when I did a little googling uh that it was actually released last year as mm. so a small uh, small run of on super 8. so perhaps one day I will will get that it was quite expensive which is every film that is produced these days is.
1: oh absolutely but
0: uh, I kind of regretted not paying <laughs> paying what it was for for that it would have been a great digest I'm sure.
1: Oh, no doubt. Home Alone's a fun film.
0: Uh, and, but if you could choose any any movie as a full feature on, on 16 or 8, uh, or 35 for that matter, which movie would you have chosen if you could choose one dream movie you mean, on, on You mean as far as,
1: as, as, a as a holiday theme, like yeah, Christmas? Yeah. I'll go back to what I mentioned as far as a digest, uh, in, even in digest form, and that's The Grinch That's Still Christmas. Yeah. I think that would have made a wonderful feature film. I know, I think, if my memory is serving me correct, I know there were, there's was there been 16 millimeter copies of it that have floated around over the years, but I would have liked to have seen it gotten a really good quality Super 8 release. I can only imagine what Duran would have done with something like that. It would have looked beautiful. I mm. would have loved to have seen it. Like I said again, I don't know how popular that is internationally here in the States. It's still a love to film.
0: Yeah. I would have loved to to find the shop around the corner and it's even in black and white, so if I ever find a copy, it w- wouldn't have faded. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point.
1: No color fade. That's one advantage yeah. of black and white films. Uh, you don't have to worry about you know how's the color going to be? Is it going to be faded out or anything, or is it going to be a pink red copy?
0: For those that might not know it, it's it's a James Durie film from 1940, and it has a lot of similarities to You've Got Mail from the 1994, perhaps at least in mm. the 90s. Um. With uh, Tom Hanks and uh, who was the other? Anyways, um, you've got Mail has, has stolen a lot from uh, from the script of uh, Shop Around the Corner. Oh yeah, and if you have seen the uh, seen, you've got Mail. The bookstore in the movie is called uh, the Shop Around the Corner. So
1: yeah, it definitely was inspired heavily yeah. by that film, no doubt.
0: So let's move on to quiz part 3. When was super 8 database made public? When was super 8 the database made public? Um, It has started to take a few years now, so even I was surprised when I I checked back. Uh, I didn't think it was that long ago, but anyways. Question 2. In Home Alone, the burglars Harry and Marv have a nickname. What are they called? The name was invented by Marv as they broke into the houses. So what was Harry and Marv's nickname? Question three. What is the name of the Laurel and Hardy comedy from 1929, where they work as Christmas tree salesmen? Well, that's a good one. It's never wrong to watch a Laurel and Hardy, I'm sure.
1: Oh, no doubt.
0: So let's look a little bit uh, at the year that has passed. In the last year, in 2023, a few things has happened. First off on my list is that the BFCC, the British Film Collectors Convention is back. They had had a hiatus for quite a few years and now it's back. So that was a big event for 2023. I, I really think that it's very important for the communities with these conventions. So I was really glad to have that back. And we have had quite a few new releases as well. It seems like it has started picking up again because there are individuals uh, that has produced quite a few digests, actually. Some of them that we have mentioned here with the Doran uh, Christmas trailer, for example. And I, I really like to, to see that. So that's a good thing that 2023 has had some positivity that way. And we also have to mention that we have started this podcast in 2023. Now a year has passed since the first episode back in the new year of 2023. And I really, really enjoyed that. You and me had the first episode, Doug. uh,
1: Absolutely. I remember. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like it almost seems like we've been doing this for a long time because, you know, it's been so much fun, (laughs) you know. Yeah. It actually flies. The time has flown pretty fast.
0: Yeah. And I was a little bit nervous how it would be received, but it's been really positive. and I was very afraid of that it would be be a problem to to get people on uh, to to have their guests saying yes to to being on the podcast, but that hasn't been a problem. So I'm really thankful for that. Uh, and it's been really enjoyable all parts of the work actually. It takes a lot more work than 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 it might look like. I usually use uh, more than two hours on preparations, sometimes three, four hours on preparations. Then we have the recording, and then two or three hours, up to four hours of uh, after work, editing, proof uh, uh, listening, things like that. So it takes a lot of time, but it's so rewarding doing this. So uh, I had a lot of fun doing it.
1: Well, I mean, it's a very unique uh, outlet for those who love uh, film, you know. It's kind of what's essentially one of a kind as far as podcasts. I mean, how many podcasts are there out there that are devoted to home movies, package films? This is it. It's unique. You've started a trend, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're waiting for the people to copy your podcasts, and we're going to start seeing other ones pop up over time, you know.
0: (laughs) I would have loved that. I would have loved that.
1: Hey, it could happen. Don't be surprised.
0: Uh, For Super 8 Database, there are we really didn't make a lot of new features. It has been running for a few years now, we have added a lot of features, but we have added content. So that was more or less what happened in 2023. We have added a lot, a lot, of, added a lot of content for Super 8 Database. But we have more than 8,000 films now, and are getting close to 3,000 f- films with a cover. So that that's good. And for Super 8 Database, the highlight for me that year was uh, that I met some German researchers at a conference in Oslo, of all places. Uh, they have been researching on Super 8 releases from the, from the 70s and, and, the, and the heyday, and they have been in touch with me and many others uh, for, for content. And uh, they have been using the Super 8 database uh, for, for doing research, which I absolutely love to, to learn. So that was great when I met them, those in Oslo in May. And for Blackpool, we had a new group of organizers in Blackpool. Elaine Guest retired from organizing Blackpool, so everybody wondered what would happen with Blackpool. But we got a new group of organizers, not a single person, so we are a little less uh, vulnerable to people for one reason or another that can't continue organizing this. So that was a great one. I will go to blackpool again this year it will already have happened when this is released but i really look forward to blackpool and jed was also present at blackpool in 2022 and he will return for 2023 so uh, again great to see jed uh, at blackpool
1: I'm looking forward to a podcast dedicated to this when you get your trip taken care of. Yep. I want to hear all the highlights. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I, I, plan to, I plan to do a recording from Blackpool. And if everything goes as planned, that episode will have been released before this one. So now we are messing up the time history here. but. <laughs> <laughs> and also this year, we had this new convention called Film is Fabulous that was in Leicester recently. It had a little bit different focus than other conventions as it was uh, looking for more for history preservation where we had archivists from from the BBC and the British Film Institute present that uh, talked about archiving and they also wanted to get in touch with collectors that have very rare films that might not exist in any other archive and that reminds me that Every one of us should have a plan on what to do uh, when we are getting old and make sure that uh, none of the films will end up in the bin, by the way. So that great, uh, great convention there. One thing I forgot to mention when we talk about the podcast, by the way, I had one scary part with one of my guests. There was a hiccup with the technical part. So I, for 10, 15 minutes, thought that the entire recording was lost. So I kind of panicked, but... uh, (laughs) But luckily, there was a was a safety recording where the uh, both audio channels were mixed into one mono channel, which made it way, way harder to edit. But anyways, I, I salvaged uh, the episode, and it turned out quite well. But that was a panicking moment for me. Uh, but otherwise, it has more or less gone gone well.
1: You mentioned the uh, Film as Fabulous group in that convention, and you think about how important an important role that film collectors have played in the preservation of film, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been films that have been considered lost that just happened to be in people's collection. Yeah. It's very important for the history of uh, film, and thank goodness for that. I'm still hoping that one day they'll find a, a copy of London After Midnight, Lon Chaney's Lost Film, somewhere. You know, it's only yeah. in photos, but... And of course, I'm very doubtful that'll happen, but it would be fantastic if they ever find one. I'm just using that as an example of lost films.
0: Yeah. And some have been reluctant to to get in touch with the archives because they're afraid of losing the copy. But from what I heard from the live stream from Film with Fabulous, you could choose to uh, keep your copy or whatever you hand them. They will digitize it anyways, and in some cases make a, a film copy. But you could choose to get it, your copy back if you want want that. But in some cases, they had also experienced that the wife of the collector has in, had insisted on the archive <laughs> keeping the copy. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so that might indicate that some had a lot of films.
1: I understand the fear of them possibly, you know, people possibilities in a print. Uh... I was paranoid about shipping my father's films off to be digitized yeah, yeah. and I actually got the equi- I rented the equipment and did it myself because mm. I just I mean that's it's priceless I mean if it gets lost I can't I can't you know it'll never be it can't be replaced you know exactly. those films will be with me until my time comes you know just mm. because oh, I mean, for like I said they're one of a kind items priceless
0: talking about history there has been a Few jubilees this year. Ten years ago in September, the Single Eight Fuji's in house processing service ended. That was kind of not a positive jubilee, but anyways. I see that it's possible to to buy single eight cartridges again now, uh in Klikonsul in in uh, in Berlin at least. And it's also fifty years since Kodak Audio on Super Eight, the Ecta sound appeared. That uh, happened fifty years ago today. Wow. Uh, not today, sorry, this year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I got yes. some at the shop around the corner, so. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and 100 years ago, in 1923, uh, we got the 60mm sign Kodak as a film format. And Richard Attenborough was born, and Warner Bros. was founded. And also the Disney Brothers cartoon studio, later to be known as Walt Disney Productions, was founded as well. And we also got Fono Film, um, Sound Film. 1923 and also Harold Lloyd safety lost the same year as the three color traffic light was invented I don't know if that was a coincidence or not but the <laughs> <laughs> color traffic light was invented in 1923
1: well, they may go hand in hand so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and also in 1923 we got the Hollywood sign in in uh, Los Angeles
1: Hollywood land as it was called at the time
0: yeah, yeah. and if you go even further, 135 years ago, the Kodak camera was invented by George Eastman, and it was placed in the market in 1888. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a
2: while. <laughs> yeah.
0: It is time for the answers for the quiz we have had in this episode. In the first section, question one. What is the film tagged with Christmas with the most views on Super 8 database? And the answer is Pluto's Christmas Tree. Next after that was Big Business with Laurel and Hardy. And on third was A Walt Disney Christmas. Question two. Who founded Cinesi? The convention in New Jersey, the in the US, and when was their first event? The answer is John Black and Shorty Caruso, and it was in 2009. Question three. When was Die Hard released at the cinemas, and what was the name of the main character? And the answer is 1988 and John McLean. In the second section of the quiz, question one, we asked... At the end of Pluto's Christmas tree, Chip and Dale puts a sticker on Pluto's mouth when he joins in singing with the Christmas carol outside. What was written on the sticker? And the answer was, do not open until Christmas. Question two. Author Vince Wright wrote the book 8mm Elvis, the story on Elvis on 8mm film. He used to work for a film-related company. What was the name of the company? And the answer is Duran. Question three. The actor who played Rusty, the son in the house in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, has also played in a very popular television sitcom. What is the name of the actor, and which sitcom did he play in? The answer is Johnny Galecki and Big Bang Theory. In the last section, question one, we asked, when was Super 8 Dead made public? And the answer is February 2020. In Home Alone, the burglars Harry and Marv have a nickname. What are they called? The name was invented by Marv as they broke into houses. And they called themselves The Wet Bandits. The last question was what is the name of the Laurel and Hardy comedy from 1929 where they work as a Christmas tree salesman? And the name of that movie was Big Business. And that was all for the quiz in this episode. But if you like film-related quizzes, I recommend that you go to Barry Atwood's quiz that he usually put up for Christmas. And we will link to that in the show notes. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode. And I hope you have enjoyed it, whatever you are doing. Uh, Maybe you are gift wrapping or just relaxing on the sofa. But anyways, I hope you have had a great time with us. And thank you for following us through our first year of the podcast. And to all of you around the world, we wish you all a merry Christmas and a peaceful time with your loved ones, including your projector. And as Bing Crosby put it, unless we make Christmas an occasion to share our blessings, all the snow in Asuka won't make it white. And thanks to Jed Jones for popping in talking about Christmas at the RAN. And with me today, I have had Douglas Warren. Thank you, Douglas, for showing up again.
1: Well, thank you for having me here
0: and my name is Ivan Mark and thanks for listening I hope you have enjoyed this. Whatever you are doing, lying on the sofa wrapping gifts, uh, whatever you are doing, uh, doing gifts. Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you're lying on the, if you're lying on the floor, passed out from too many drinks. And if your wife has left you to with the, she's left you and she's ran off with the mill man, so just say, We still hope you have a happy Christmas. Just jump off the roof. Yeah. We'll get that. <laughs> there you go, there's your ending. <laughs>